0: You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. And uh, uh, we... we uh uh, are going to continue on with a little bit of uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel's uh, "Man's Quest for God," um, and uh, the essay that we're going to look at today is called "The Essence of Spiritual Living." Remember, all these essays are essays about uh, prayer: why we pray, what's the meaning of prayer, um, what's the point of prayer, uh, what's the purpose of prayer, etc. Um, and uh, and so this, the, the the title of this jumped out at me. Um, yeah. Uh, in part because, uh, if you look at the, um, at the research that's been done in the past few years of uh, religion in America, um, uh, 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 substantial numbers of people, um, uh, um, the, the most common response to what religion are you, or the increasingly com- most common response to what religion are you, is no religion at all. But then you ask people if they believe in God, and, they, and uh, an overwhelming majority say yes. Even among atheists... Self-avowed atheists and self-identified uh, atheists in the Pew uh, study on American religion in 2009 or 2010. Um, uh, something like uh, 21% of self-described atheists also claim to believe in God, which I found very fascinating. Apparently they don't understand. Uh, understand don't questions understand from a <laughs> right. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Do that as it may, I bet, you know, but uh, but but um, so while while uh, affiliation with organized religion is uh, is on a, a steady decline in uh, in the U.S. Um, and by the way, um, among the Jewish community, we have you know all sorts of alarm bells for this. Uh, but be thankful you're not a Methodist um because uh, um, you know because the, you know they're losing yeah. at a rate of you know like 20 percent yeah. a year or something like that we're, we're trickling they're a faucet um so uh, uh, but anyway but uh, but American religion uh, affiliated religion is declining uh, and, but yet uh, belief in God is has held fairly steady in an overwhelming majority of people and most people, um, will now describe themselves, and I'm sure you've heard this before, will describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. It means that I, that uh, um, People mean different things by that, but uh, but it, it sur- usually means um, I don't care for um, the organized practice of uh, religion. I don't follow uh, any one particular religious tradition, um, uh, but uh, but I but I believe in God and I consider myself a spiritual person. I have a, a sense of what my spiritual needs are. I have a desire for uh, for spiritual connections. People will mean different things by that term spirituality, but they're comfortable using it. Um, and in a way that they're not comfortable using the term religion or religious, um, and so uh, and so this uh, this essay from Heschel struck me because um, he talks about prayer as the essence of spiritual living, right? And uh, and and it's uh, what do you think that means? <laughs> so I think it means what, mean what it? he goes on to say in the essay, um, uh, but. Um, uh, what do you think it means well I'm trying to find out from here I you know it's a spiritual i I, I just I'd I like your your description of what you think spirit being spiritual is so i, I would rather um, suggest what heschel um, says and 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 so I think that that this uh, okay. okay so um so then let's see let's pick apart that definition and see if we agree with it or not. Okay. Okay, so uh, um, I, I think that the, the images that he uses, he uses a whole, I don't know why no one ever got on Heschel for mixing metaphors, but in the course of this essay, uh, <laughs> there are uh, uh, probably five or six major metaphorical uh, uh, formulations here. So, the, the beginning he starts, as a tree torn from the soil, as a river separated from its source... Well, there's two right there in the first sentence. Um, the human soul wanes when detached from what is greater than itself. Without the holy, the good turns chaotic. Without the good, beauty becomes accidental. It is the pattern of the impeccable which makes the average possible, it is the attachment to what is spiritually superior. Loyalty to a sacred person or idea, devotion to a noble friend or teacher, love for a people or for mankind, which holds our inner life together. Okay, so, um, uh, for sure, when he says spiritual, it means something inward. Um, something that's happening inside of you. Um, uh, and it's, it, and it's, it has to do with um, to attachment to what is greater than yourself your sense of connection to something beyond yourself. Um, it could be a, uh, uh, the holy, uh, whatever that means, it could be an idea, um, it could be to, uh, to uh, loyalty to another person, right? But, it's, but it has to do with a feeling that you have inside that connects you to something that is more than you. But any ideal, human, social, or artistic, if it forms a roof over all of life, shuts us off from the light. Even the palm of one hand may bar the light of the entire sun. Indeed, we must be open to the remote in order to perceive the near. Unless we aspire to the utmost, we shrink to inferiority. And so prayer is our attachment to the utmost. Okay and so if if prayer is the essence of spiritual living and prayer is our attachment to the utmost then spiritual living is uh is uh is the is the desire to be attached to what is higher than you right to the utmost without to God in, in what Heschel would say um uh, what other people might, uh, might be uh, more reticent to describe as, uh, as, as God, what uh, dyslexics might describe as dog. Um, uh, no? Nothing? Okay. So, um, <laughs> uh, without God in sight, we are like the scattered rungs of a broken ladder. To pray is to become a ladder on which thoughts mount to God to join the movement toward him, which surges unnoticed through the entire universe. We do not step out of the world when we pray. We merely see the world in a different setting. The self is not the hub, but the spoke of the revolving wheel. In prayer, we shift the center of living from self-consciousness to self-surrender. God is the center toward which all forces tend. He is the source, and we are the uh, sorry, he is the source, and we are the flowing of his force, the ebb and flow of his tides. Right, so you have a couple of things there that I think are worth pointing out. You know, the first is uh, um, is that, uh, that, that that prayer that spirit that, that prayer as an expression of a, of, a, of a spiritual yearning is about uh, attachment to God. But then I think it sounds to me like Heschel makes a shift. Um, it's, it's more than just attachment to God, uh, more than just an awareness of uh, what's greater than you. It's actually, for a moment, um, uh, trying to see the world from the, from the vantage point of God. Right? So, uh, so to, uh, to not only connect yourself to what is greater, but to see life, see the world from the point of view of what is greater. To step out and look at the world, as it, may, as it were, from a bird's eye view. And then I think that the, the next step is to, is to ask yourself the questions that looking at the world from that vantage point uh, uh, force you to ask. Right? Um, do I live too selfishly? Right? Am I seeing the world only from a, a very narrow, self-interested point of view? Right? What does God see when God sees the world? I think that that's a profound question to ask yourself in, in, in the moment of prayer. Right. Um, one of my uh, one of my colleagues, um, uh, uh, Rabbi David Sager, who some of you uh, met a couple of years ago, um, uh, he uh, once described this as, um, uh, and he was referencing a book, the title of which escapes me. Um, but uh, looking at a colony of ants, and from the perspective, of, from from the human perspective, a colony of ants just looks like a, 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 a mass of black or red. Um, and there 's no real uh, um, uh, individuality of any individual ant, um, and there 's no um, uh, sense of the of the individual purpose of uh, of any given ant. You see how the colony uh, functions and, and, and operates and, uh, and, and strives for common purpose and so if you, uh, if you look at that as sort of a, a microcosm uh, for for god 's relationship to the rest of humanity right for if God is something if God uh, proportionally is to us what we are to an ant colony, right? then, then how does God see us the way we would see an ant colony? Right? Um, and do we function? I mean, I, I would venture to say that, uh, that human beings don't function with the kind of uh, purpose or harmony that an ant colony functions with. Right? Um, and, uh, and, and is God sad about that? Right? Does God want us to be more like the ants? Um does God not see our individuality in the same way that we don't see the individuality of any given ant? Does God see the whether or not we're working together? Um uh, And then you think of like uh, honey I shrunk the kids where they become friends with an ant and it's like one ant but he has a personality, right? So if you get up close to it you can see the individual character of every given ant. Um Prayer takes the mind out of the narrowness of self-interest, Heschel says, enables us to see the world in the mirror of the holy. But again, right, it enables us uh, if it. it uh, uh, he doesn't exactly say how prayer does this, or how prayer is supposed to do this, um, but it is, I think, a lens through which to see the traditional liturgy. All the ways in which it describes God, all the ways in which it articulates uh, uh, what are the highest Jewish values. Um, you know, in, 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 all those, in, in all the prayers where, where it feels like it's not talking about me, he's saying that that's exactly the point. Prayer is not supposed to be talking about you. Prayer is supposed to be talking about what's greater than you. And it's supposed to remind you that you're not the point. You're in service of something that's greater than, than you. And, and, your, and your soul is actually yearning to be connected to that. Um, so when you say the words in the prayer book, you're not praying for you. It's, it's giving voice to the longings of your soul that have always been present. Um, For when we betake ourselves to the extreme opposite of the ego, we can behold a situation from the aspect of God. Prayer is a way to master what is inferior in us, to discern between the signal and the trivial, between the vital and the futile, by taking counsel with what we know about the will of God, by seeing our fate in proportion to God. Prayer clarifies our hope and intentions. It helps us discover our true aspirations, the pangs we ignore, the longings we forget. It is an act of self-purification, a quarantine for the soul. Uh, So I I want to uh, uh, skip ahead a little bit. Um, So that's the first part, I think, of the essay. He goes and then he shifts, he's going to pivot in a second. I want to uh, uh, look at the pivot. But the first part, part, the essence of spiritual living according to Heschel, right, our soul yearns to get back to God that's a classic Hasidic uh, um, uh, 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 piece of theology we, our, our soul is, is part of God, detached from its source yearns to get back from God, prayer is an attempt to uh, connect the soul uh, back to its source, and to therefore look at life from the point of view of the source But then he goes uh, uh, a little bit further, in in a slightly different direction, I think. Prayer is, on the next page, page 8, prayer is the essence of spiritual living. And he's going to use another metaphor that, while mixing metaphors, is really beautiful. Um, Prayer is the essence of spiritual living. Its spell is present in every spiritual experience. Its drive enables us to delve into what is beneath our beliefs and desires, and to emerge with a renewed taste for the infinite simplicity of the good. On the globe of the microcosm... Alright, listen, to, because he's, this is going to be just outrageous. On the globe of the microcosm, the flow of prayer is like the gulf stream, imparting warmth to all that is cold, melting all that is hard in our life. On the globe of the microcosm... Okay, the microcosm is you. right? And if you are a world, right? prayer is like the gulf stream. prayer is what flows underneath the current to to thaw what's hard in you, to thaw what's cold in you, to to inflame your soul. For even loyalties may freeze to indifference if detached from the stream which carries the, the strength to be loyal. How often does justice lapse into cruelty and righteousness into hypocrisy? And so prayer revives and keeps alive the rare greatness of some past experience in which things glowed with meaning and blessing. Right. So that is part, I think, of why we uh, pray with a set liturgy that was um, that was uh, uh, com- composed um, uh, hundreds, if not many pieces of it, thousands of years ago, um, uh, talking about not what happens to me in my life, but uh, but but but. Uh, reflecting what we know about God and articulating our highest ideals, because what it's trying to do is remind us to be in touch with that piece of us that always wants to get back to that place of, of of holiness and goodness. And here, I think he's moving from the realm of inwardness to the realm of outwardness, because what he's saying is that prayer should thaw you from the inside and and connect you internally and connect you spiritually. But what it should do is uh, is move you from uh, uh, from the from the coldness of cruelty. And into acts of justice, and from the, and from the callousness of uh, hypocrisy to righteousness. And that's exactly what he does in the next paragraph. However, prayer is no panacea, no substitute for action. It is rather like a beam, thrown from a flashlight before us into darkness. It is in this light that we who grope, stumble and climb, discover where we stand, what surrounds us, and the course which we should choose prayer makes visible the right and reveals what is hampering and false. In its radiance we behold the worth of our efforts, the range of our hopes, and the meaning of our deeds. Envy and fear, despair and resentment, anguish and grief, which lie heavily upon the heart, are dispelled like shadows by its light. <clears throat> so prayer is supposed to guide us in our in our action, which is a uh, uh, um, um, uh, um, Uh, Rabbi Rabbi Brad Artson um, uh, has said on on a number of occasions that um, if you you know your prayer has worked, if you leave synagogue a more sensitive, aware, and and committed person, that you leave synagogue and go and do uh, what is good, what is right, what is just. That's how you know your prayer worked. If you leave the prayer the same that you came in, or angry at the person sitting next to you for gla- for talking in your ear the whole time, or making somebody else mad at you for talking in their ear the whole time, or, uh, or, or, or annoyed that uh, that uh, the person wore the same outfit as you, or whatever it is. right If you leave prayer like that, your prayer didn't work. Right? But if you if you leave prayer committed, to the highest uh, ideals, highest human and Jewish ideals that are articulated in the, in the prayer service, then your prayer worked. Then your prayer was answered. All right? And I think that that's similar to what Heschel's saying here. Heschel's saying that, that prayer isn't just supposed to be a, 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 an ooey-gooey feeling inside that connects us to what is greater. That's part of it, but that is supposed to lead us in a particular direction of action. Prayer actually has to lead to action. Right? Which is why synagogues are supposed to have windows. right? Um, according to Jewish law, synagogues are supposed to have windows so you can see outside. So you know that prayer isn't only about what happens in the room that you're praying in, it's so you know that your job is to take it outside afterward. right? And both things are important. Right? Sometimes. What about the fact that you ask God for things when you're praying? I consider that uh really one of the hallmarks of prayer right so it's a, it's a great question so I want to say a couple things the first is um, it is a a, a a relatively minor part of Jewish prayer um, there are, are only a couple of places in uh, in our prayer service where we ask God for personal things right so there's a, a place reserved a couple of mm-hmm. What's that? Refaenu. Well, so but Refaenu is uh, right. So here's right. That's the second part of it. So there, there are there are specific places where we ask for personal things. But even the places where we where we ask uh, where we petition God for things are all phrased in the plural, right? Refaenu adonai fe, Heal us, God, and and uh, we will be healed. Right. So it's not saying Refaenu or. Shema koleni, right? Hear our voices. Now, there are... Meshavarach. Uh, um, uh, uh, okay, so... That, that's true right so there are some but if you you know if you if you were to weigh out the seador if you were to like uh, uh, separate into categories you know, here's prayer here's petition here's praise um, and uh, here's uh, thanksgiving right praise and thanksgiving would far outweigh petition and even petition um, uh, if you subdivided it into personal petition and communal petition personal petition would be a very small sliver of the pie um, and communal petition would be a, a much larger percentage of that pie so um, so, um, so uh, I, that's how I think part of how I would answer the question is that when we, when we ask God for things in prayer, we're, we're, we're not supposed to be asking God at least only for ourselves. We're supposed to be asking for the good of everybody else. Um, so, uh, so I think that that actually fits in very nicely with what uh, with what Heschel's saying. When We say rafainu, right? It's my attachment to what's greater than me, right? Not only that I want healing for me and my loved ones, but I want healing for everybody who's 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 sick and suffering. Oseh shalom. se shalom aleinu v'al Yisrael. And now uh, some people add kol Tevel too, right? Not only all of Israel, but all the people of the world. Um, but a lot of that it's not phrased in the way of petitioning it's phrased in the way you do it you cause it you're not asking you're not petitioning for it you do it you have the power to do it you're reminding yeah that's right it's kind of an indirect approach (laughs) Right, although Bashiva Ruch Gashem is not uh, is not in the petition section of the Amida. it's in true. it's in the uh, praise section praise of the Amida. So it's a, so that is an acknowledgement, but um, we do we we do I think think about it. Uh, you wouldn't, but but share, you wouldn't right? be asking for it if you really didn't want it. You wouldn't <laughs> be reciting it. And the fact that it's uh, timed, right? That's right. it. you don't do it. you don't say it all year round. You say it when you need it. That, that's that's true, but it, but it's but I think it's supposed to be more of an acknowledgement. Right? Saying uh, it's not saying God, will you please make rain right, come? it's not what it that yeah. like God is the one who makes rain come, which also implies that God is the one who can decide not to bring rain, right? Um, because the, the whole idea of that section is uh, that it's, it's called Gvurot Right, God has the power of rain. We're right? too much. What? Or too much. Or too much power of rain, God forbid, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or not enough this summer, right? Uh, forget that uh, just a couple months ago we were talking about how little rain. Um, uh, and, uh, and right? So uh, both things are, are, are bad. Um, Rabbi, isn't yeah. uh, the prayers of uh, praise of God, isn't that like a, a direct connection to God, a, a direct prayer by acknowledging? And praising God, and so much of, of uh, the service is praise. Yeah. So, so, um, what do you mean by direct connection through? Well, the, he's talking yeah. about connecting our souls to the Almighty. Mm-hmm. So, it, when you take part in that and you participate in the prayer, aren't you making a connection with every time that you? pray. Well, so so I, I'll throw the question back out, right? Do you? F- that, that's a that's a second level question of of, uh, of what we're looking at here. Does it work? Or do you feel like it works when you when you utter the you know the hallelujahs? Do you feel like you're connecting your soul back to its source? Depends do you would you know what that because, felt like? Yeah, I felt it at times. I don't feel it all the time. And I mean you know, he's praising in here the, the repetition in a sense that we say the same thing all the time and yet you know, do you become does it become mundane by saying the same thing all the time uh, I, I, I'd also question that there are those who feel that that is um, <clears throat> the connection with God is maybe not as readily felt yeah. through praise and perhaps um, more readily felt through petition of some sort Where um, the 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 need that God that a person has um, is um, God is God is beseeched to fulfill the need, and by describing in God God in language that can fulfill that need, that makes that person that makes an individual. Feel particularly close to God. So, in other words, if you're needing of a, a father, and you say Avinu Malkeinu, you know, it's just Avinu. You know, um, that, that that warms the heart. That uh, more so than perhaps just describing God as creator of great mountains and whatever. So. It's an excellent question, and uh, let's, let's, just in the interest of time, um, we'll, we'll uh, cap the conversation, but I want to cap it with uh, this story, which is a beautiful story, and, uh, and, and something to think about uh, um, uh, in leaving here. At the bottom of page 8, a story is told about a rabbi who once entered heaven in a dream. He was permitted to approach the Temple of Paradise, where the great sages of the Talmud, the Tanaim, were spending their eternal lives. He saw that they were just sitting around tables studying the Talmud. This disappoint, the disappointed rabbi wondered, is this all there is to paradise? But suddenly he heard a voice, you are mistaken, the Tanaim are not in paradise, paradise is in the Tanaim. And I think that that is uh, one of the arguments that Heschel makes uh, in, in prayer, um, is that uh um, is, that, uh, is that it's a cultivation of an uh, of, uh, of an internal paradise, um, of of of, uh, of of having God inside of you that animates uh, uh, what, uh, what what you do when you when you leave the room. How you do it, whether it works, that's a that's a question he doesn't quite get into, uh, but uh, but uh, something to uh, think about as we go forward uh, today. So have a great day, everybody, and see you next week.